0: Welcome to another episode of Working Class Heroes Radio. My name is Julian Guerrero, and I'm one of your hosts tonight.
1: And I'm Lupita Romero, your other co-host. On today's show, we're going to be focusing on two kinds of essential food workers who've been feeding New York City residents throughout the pandemic, but who have been all but ignored and excluded from any sort of workplace safety regulations or economic government relief.
0: We will be discussing the ongoing police harassment that street vendors are facing in New York City. And later on in the episode, our correspondent Mel Gonzalez will be speaking with Miguel, a delivery worker, about his experience. We'll also be taking callers live. So if you have any thoughts or questions about these issues, please stick around. We want to hear from you.
1: But first, here's Khadija and Danny to give us this week's headlines.
2: Before we start, we at Working Class Heroes want to recognize that we in New York City live on land that was stolen from, and still rightfully belongs to, the Lenape people. We stand in solidarity with the Lenape and all indigenous peoples in their struggles for liberation.
3: The working class of New York City is international, so we begin headlines with election news from the Southeast Asian nation of Myanmar, where the ruling National League of Democracy, or NLD, won at least 397 seats out of 476 in the nation's parliament. The party is headed by Aung San Suu Kyi, once a global symbol of the fight for democracy amidst this nation's military dictatorship, whose credibility has suffered significantly since she has been deeply complicit in the country's ongoing genocide against the Rohingya Muslims of Rakhine State.
2: Last month, the Union Election Commission, which is not independent of the governing party, canceled the vote in battle zones where ethnic minority groups were fighting the military for autonomy. Because these areas are where criticism and unhappiness with the NLD has been the strongest, and because Rohingya Muslims were denied the right to vote, many observers have concluded that the mass disenfranchisement was a tactic to ensure the party's victory.
3: U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said the election marked an important step in Myanmar's democratic transition. But he expressed concern about the disenfranchisement of the Rohingya and called for a tabulation of votes and resolution of complaints to be undertaken in a, quote, transparent and credible manner. Pompeo issued this statement even as he was causing controversy in his own country by following Donald Trump's lead and refusing to acknowledge Joe Biden's victory in the U.S. election.
2: COVID numbers are skyrocketing across the U.S. as the dreaded winter spike has arrived. On November 4th, the number of new cases in a day hit 100,000 for the first time. Eight days later, that number was at 142,000. Hospitalization numbers have also doubled in a little over a month, and a growing number of regions are hitting a crisis of hospital capacity.
3: COVID numbers in New York City are lower than in many parts of the country, but are rising quickly. The New York Times reports that the de Blasio administration considers the closing down of in-person schooling to be a matter of, quote, when, not if. And on Wednesday, Governor Cuomo introduced new statewide restrictions, including closing bars, gyms, and in-person dining at 10 p.m., and restricting private gatherings to 10 people.
2: But public health activists are troubled that indoor dining remains open at all and that undocumented workers will be forced to continue working and looking for work because they are ineligible for unemployment relief. A number of community organizations are calling on Cuomo to provide a $3.5 billion fund for immigrant workers excluded from government relief programs.
3: Finally. On Tuesday, food delivery workers marched with their bikes through East Harlem to protest the death of Ernesto Guzman, a pizza delivery worker killed on November 1st in a hit and run by an SUV driver on the corner of 97th and 2nd Avenue, while Guzman was in a protected bike lane. The march went to the 23rd Precinct to protest the lack of police action in finding the driver.
1: The family's acting, just one, just one thing. We just wanna watch the videos, we just want you guys to release them to the families and we get a no. Why is that? As, even after that, you guys found the vehicle but they didn't even have the audacity to tell the families, hey, we found the vehicle but we didn't find the criminal. Now, why is that? And then, third of all, why haven't you found the criminal? It's been more than a week and we haven't got an answer.
4: Police are quick to send 10, 15, 20 patrols when a liquor store is robbed, when a $20 bottle of alcohol is robbed. But when we are killed, when they catch the car, they have the car, they are unable to identify the killer. They they were unable to tell the family that they found the car.
2: A month before Guzman was killed, delivery worker Victorio Hilario Guzman was killed in a hit and run in the Bronx while delivering for DoorDash. That driver also has not been arrested. There have been at least 20 cyclists killed on city streets this year. Last year, 29 cyclists were killed, the highest number since 1999. We'll have more on these issues later in the show with Mel's interview with delivery worker Miguel.
3: And that's it for headlines. Now back to Lupita and
5: Julian. Aunque tengo tranquila mi conciencia, sé que pude haber yo hecho más por ti. Obscura soledad estoy viviendo, la misma soledad...
0: That was Amor Eterno by Santa Cecilia. You're listening to Working Class U.S. Radio on WBAI 99.5 FM and also streaming on WBAI.org. Today, November 14th, is International Street Vendors Day, so it's not too late to go out and support your local street vendor. New York City has something like 20,000 street vendors operating across the five boroughs, but they don't feel like they're getting the respect nor the support that they deserve. On Thursday, November 12th, 200 street vendors and their supporters rallied in Brooklyn and march across the Brooklyn Bridge before stopping at One Center Street in Lower Manhattan. Here's a clip from the rally.
4: Buenas tardes a todos aquí presentes. Mi nombre es Julia Ordiales. vivo en Brooklyn. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for coming. My name is Julia Ordiales, and I live in Brooklyn. Soy miembro de la Junta Directiva del Comité de Vendedores Ambulantes. I'm a member of the leadership board of the street vendor project. Downtown Brooklyn, I've been a street vendor in Downtown Brooklyn for 18 years. During este tiempo que he trabajado en la calle, he sido perseguida constantemente por los inspectores de salud y during the last 8 years as a street vendor, I have been chased and harassed by both health department officials and the police. Me han quitado muchos carritos, me han dado tiques, pagado muchos tiques de 1000 They've taken my merchandise, they've taken my carts and they fine me thousands and thousands of dollars. Por no tener un permiso, porque ellos me preguntan del permiso y no tengo permiso, entonces me siempre me están dando tiques y me han quitado. Como cinco carros. So, simply for not having a permit, I'm harassed, I have my merchandise taken away, I have ticket upon ticket given to me, and simply for not being able to work with a permit. Por eso les ruego, les, les suplico, les imploro, señores concejales, por favor quiten el límite de permisos. Dennos permisos a todos para poder trabajar dignamente en la calle y poder llevar el sustento diario a nuestros hijos. Por favor. All right, and this is why I'm begging the city council to please cast intro 1116 and help create more permits for street vendors. All we're trying to do is work in a dignified way in the streets to bring food back to our families. We're asking the city council to pass intro 1116 to help us realize that.
6: Vendors have been waiting for so long and heard so many promises, especially from the mayor who said over and over in several town halls, we are working on a legislation and I called him. He said, we are working on a legislation with the city council and that should pass in the next couple of months. He said that back in 2016, in 2017, and 2018, until now, we are in November 2020, we haven't heard another word or seen anything.
0: That was Julia Ordiales and her interpreter. And at the very end, that was Mohamed Atia, who is the uh, head of the Street Vendors Project, uh, speaking about the lack of inaction by the city council and the mayor to address the issues of street vendors.
1: Yeah, no, and and one of the things to highlight, because I was at the rally um, the day that it happened, and among the speakers, uh, which were a lot of elected officials, was Jumani Williams, Catalina Cruz from Queens, um, as well as others. And one of the things that they highlighted throughout this rally is that this bill has been sitting basically on the desk of city council for four years now. And the only thing that is needed at this point is for de Blasio to call a vote on this bill. And so I think that it's something that should be happening, especially during this pandemic, when street vendors are dealing with so much out in the streets and risking their lives and risking exposure while they're doing their work. Um, But for some context, for folks who don't know much about street vending in New York City, uh, most people in New York City who want to vend any kind of product need what's called the vending permit. And according to the Street Vendor Project, in 1979, New York City Council placed a cap allowing only 853 merchandise license permits. And then in 1983, they placed a cap of 4,000 permits for food vendors. Today, there's about 20,000 street vendors operating throughout the city. And so obviously, this has created a system where majority of street vendors don't have licenses. And in order to vent, they have to risk police harassment or end up having to rent licenses from vendors who do have them, which can go up to $25,000 a year. And so just for using this permit, which costs way less uh, when you get it from the city when you end up renting it from somebody, it can go up to $25,000. Um, and one of the things that I also want to highlight about this cap is that these caps were passed under the pressure of small business owners in New York City who essentially see street vendors as competitors and just want them out of the streets. And I think personally that this is a little hypocritical, especially now because the cap is still in place and vendors are still at risk of harassment But we have seen as we reopen the city that small businesses are actually being allowed to take their business outside to the streets and end up using the space that they say vendors use and block and essentially stop traffic from going into their businesses. And so I think that that's something that really resonates with me. And the dissonance uh, between what the city is doing for street vendors or not doing versus what they're doing for small businesses.
0: Right. Bill 1116, which is what the Street Vendors Project is calling for and what the street vendors are asking the city council to put forward um, or to to vote on. Essentially, my understanding is that they already have twenty nine council uh, council member co-sponsors on the bill. So I think what you're saying is, is totally right, Lupita. It just feels like it has to be put up to a vote. Um, And, you know, you can't say that street vendors don't contribute to the city either. Each year they contribute something like two hundred and ninety three million to the city's economy. And that generates something like seventy two million in local, state and federal taxes. And even though uh, in uh, June it was when the uprising around George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter uprising, when there was all this pressure to stop so much police harassment to reform the police to take draw down money essentially from the police budget mayor de blasio and one of the one of the few things he said was that he would stop the nypd's harassing of street vendors but according to street vendors themselves this is still going on to this day and it's not just the nypd who hit vendors with fines and infractions street vendors are at like a matrix of multiple agencies who can basically corral them, fine them, um, and and charge them with infraction. So street vendors are also, um, you know, liable to be fined by the Department of Health, Sanitation, Consumer Affairs, and even the Parks Department can level fines against street vendors. According to an article in the news outlet, The City, journalist Christine Chung wrote that approximately 6,000 violations were issued in 2019, amounting to $1.3 million in imposed fines generated for the city. Money that was taken from street vendors themselves.
1: And I mean, when you mentioned that, I think that you really have to wonder, what is the reason that this bill has been held up for so long? Is there a money incentive that's happening here with the amount of money that cities are are bringing in just from these fines and and infractions? We've seen around the country that, you know, police fines, city fines on working class people actually generate a huge amount of revenue and are one of the main reasons that cities, city administrations don't want to necessarily reform um, the way that they implement um, these infractions and um, and I've absolutely witnessed the New York City Park Department and sanitation sort of be in cahoots with um, the police and doing this. I witnessed this in Flushing Meadows Park once uh, when a street vendor who was selling corn and other things to park goers um, ended up being approached by the parks department and they wanted to not only you know ask her to leave but wanted to confiscate her food and throw it out. And as this was happening, a sanitation truck was passing by and the sanitation workers actually offered to throw the food out. on behalf of the parks department. And it actually took like 10 of us who were standing around and witnessing this to essentially argue with the parks department, the sanitation department to not take the woman's food away and actually ended up having to ourselves pretend that we were taking the food because we wanted to take the food for free um, so that they could leave it alone. And obviously, you know, we, we gave it back to the street vendor, um, but she did go home that day and was not able to, to, finish her, her shift. And this is something that doesn't have to be happening because park goers were enjoying this service. And I think in, especially in this pandemic, we have seen that even as small businesses take their business outside during the summer, New Yorkers really liked it. And we have also seen that the city, especially through a lot of business improvement, Uh, plans have created plazas in many neighborhoods, neighborhoods, but actually stopped vendors from being able to vend in those places. And so it just feels that these policies are extremely harsh, um, especially in a pandemic where there's actually a lot of folks who are unemployed who've had to start vending whatever they can in order to generate some income. And this is mostly in immigrant working class neighborhoods like the neighborhood that I grew up in, uh, Junction Boulevard, Elmhurst in Jackson Heights, where my family actually tells me that streets are getting very crowded because people who previously didn't have to vend are now having to go outside um, and, and earn some sort of income in this way. And so, you know, it just feels that we are, um, and as Jumaane William mentioned at the rally, we can't ask these folks to essentially feed us throughout a pandemic and then leave them out in the cold from any sort of relief or even leave them alone in order to do what they have to do to put food on the table. Um, So, you know, I definitely hope that Mayor de Blasio moves on this and that he stops the policies of police harassment because street vendors project were big supporters of his campaign based on the promises that he made. And he also ran on a campaign of police reform. And essentially, none of these things have happened.
0: Right. I mean, this is a constant issue that we see about how the city treats the immigrant community here in New York City. Now, just so folks know, and I'm sure for everyday New Yorkers, this is pretty evident in your in your everyday life, but New York City has 34 million foreign born residents. That's a huge number. I mean, this is the tale of two cities that de Blasio keeps talking about all the time. And this is this is it right here. I mean, if if the immigrant communities in New York City decided tomorrow to secede from New York City, they would probably be the third or fourth largest city in this country. So it's a significant number of people who are just not getting the kind of economic relief and attention that they deserve um, and who are not allowed to participate in the city's economy formally and have to create this whole informal market just to get by, just to get through, and uh, feed their families. During the pandemic, there has been little to no relief for these folks as a result of both their their status, uh, their placement, the job that they're going after that they're doing. And so it's just it's just a huge amount of negligence that the city feels that it feels like the city is putting to to these communities. Now, if people want to learn more about this, you can go to streetvendor.org to. Check out the Street Vendors Project to see how you can support them. Uh, right now, we're going to take a quick musical break, but when we come back, Mel, is going, Mel Gonzalez is going to be interviewing a delivery worker who can speak about these issues and how the informal economy sort of touches them and how it affects their, their, their situation. And again, we want to hear from you. So after that interview, we're going to be opening the phone lines. So stick around. This is Working Class Heroes Radio on WBAI.
5: vacías para lo que venga llevo mi fe encendida pa' que nada me detenga hoy no llevo equipaje a cuestas hoy solo llevo la intención de soltar que me libera, llevo mis manos vacías para lo que venga, llevo mi fe encendida para que nada me detenga, hoy no llevo equipaje a cuestas, hoy solo llevo la intención de soltar que me libera rencores y flores que marchitaron con el tiempo, dolores de amores que ya no duelen aunque sanaron muy lento, supe borrar todo lo que dolía, supe soltar los grises y encontrar colores en el día mi alegría, ole
7: You're listening to Working Class Heroes Radio on WBAI 99.5 FM, also streaming on WBAI.org. Miguel, are you you here with us? Yes, I am. Hey, Miguel. So thanks, everyone, um, for, for staying on. Um, now we're going to have an interview with, with Miguel, um, who's a delivery worker here in Brooklyn. And we want to kind of bridge these issues about delivery work and street vendors, um, because they, they face a lot of the same issues here in New York City, um, both as largely, um, immigrant workforce that has been working throughout the coronavirus pandemic and struggle a lot with, uh, wage theft and police harassment. And so we're going to kick it over now to to Miguel. Miguel, can you can you introduce yourself?
8: Hello, yeah, my name is Miguel Ramirez. I'm 19. I'm a delivery worker in Williamsburg at a Thai restaurant. Um, and thanks for having me, yeah.
7: Thanks, Miguel. So, you know, a lot of people listening have probably ordered food many times, um, but I've never really talked to their delivery worker, you know, the person that brings them their food know how much um uh, what the work is like um especially especially now that you know when we order food um delivery work comes and you kind of just magically get your food um but so how did you guys started doing delivery work Miguel and and what's it what's that been like for you
8: um well I started when I was like a little younger like around 15 I started doing deliveries um I was young I wanted to make money and uh like kind of support my family a little more and uh They've been doing deliveries. I think it really helped me a lot, um, with school and, uh, and a lot of other stuff, you know, like rent, helping my mom because we was a big family and we needed uh, more support. And I was, I wanted to do that. So delivering was an option and I love doing deliveries and I love, um, serving, you know, um, customers and uh, everybody, you know, make everybody happy because they have their food you know, to eat. And I'm um, like, I guess it makes me happy, you know, cause I like to deliver as well.
7: Yeah. Well so how did you how did you know about doing delivery work? Because I know a lot of folks um, don't really know how you get started doing that work.
8: Um yeah, um delivering. Um uh, I had a cousin, well he um introduced me to a restaurant or a restaurant, yeah. And um I, I guess he he brought me into doing delivery. And that's how I got the job.
7: Got you. And so what's it been like now when coronavirus started? Like how has that affected your work and how have you been able to stay safe? Uh, while working
8: this whole time. Um, yeah, when the coronavirus hit, um, yeah, it was pretty like kind of tough because um at that time um it was very scary. Um the the streets were um literally nobody outside. Um we was the only ones outside delivering food with gloves, mask and a lot of protection. And even though like we don't we don't do deliveries in cars, we got we got a little more exposed to, you know, but they say, um, like coronavirus, and we don't know how it, it got to people, you know, um so, but yeah. I feel like um, it really like we just had to like be um very safe, very cautious and um always um very protective with um our face and our mask and a nose and mouth, like everything we needed to uh, like yeah be we up every day, we had to like make sure everything's we don't have nothing missing, That's
7: gotcha. true. So did, did your they workplace, did they help the you supplies. out? Oh my bad. Yeah. I mean, I was wondering,
8: uh, yeah. did your work help you out? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, right now the good thing that we have a job, I have a job doing deliveries and, but they, ha- they did offer a lot of, they had masks, they had masks, um, they had gloves. Yeah, and we was kind of really set up, I think for the coronavirus cause we was a busy restaurant at that time. And, um, I feel like, um, yeah, we had to prepare for it because we like one of the, the Thai food restaurants that we need. we had to move, you know, because we can't we can't um, leave customers without food.
7: Got you. And so, are, are you getting? Because I know that you know, for your work, you really work for tips. That's how you get kind of a the large portion of your of your salary of your wage. So, are you? How's that been going on now during coronavirus? Are you getting more tips now?
8: Um, yes, there was a a point um where I'll, I'm March. April, yeah, those like up three months, like when I was hitting hard to Corona, ah, um, yeah, there was a big, um, a big up, like, um, and um, delivery tips because everybody seemed like, like, um, yeah, because it's like very dangerous, you know, us delivery guys working and and, and to get like um a little low tip is so it's not it's not um not fair, I guess, because we're the ones exposed, you know, more to Corona and we could probably even, contain or you know, could get Corona. I
7: guess. Yeah.
8: Uh huh, and yeah, there was a those those people. Yeah, they give a lot. Of, they give good tips, you know. Like it's starting to like go go up. Yeah, when the well, so coronavirus really hit.
7: Well, so we got like talking about talking about tips and and wages. Um, you know, I, I know I know that like a lot of delivery workers across the city. Um, you you had an employer that wasn't wasn't paying you right. Wasn't paying you according to the New York labor laws. They weren't paying you minimum wage, and overtime. So what was going on there, and, and what did you and your and your coworkers end up doing?
8: Um, I, at the time, um, where we was getting robbed, um, our tips.
7: Yeah, I mean, so what what was going on there?
8: Um, well, yeah, there was a uh, our boss basically. I guess he tried to take advantage of because we used to make do a lot of deliveries, and there's a lot of deliveries coming at the restaurant. Uh, so he tried to take advantage, and I think he takes like take ten percent off every day, um, and off every Worker and it's just not fair, and we decided to uh, go to um, make a road, and we decided to get action.
7: And so, what and did that? What did that look like? What did? What did you all do? Because you know, I think a lot of people don't know how. You know, how do you? How do you confront your boss when they're not paying you right or they're not doing? They're not following the laws. What? What did y'all do? Yeah.
8: Yeah, we went to go see um, um a group that uh, is called make the road um they're amazing um they are um a group organization that uh helps um like people that think they don't they don't have like um the ability to talk or to show their actions or show their feelings like you know they're scared to like um you know um, you know like yeah speak exactly. up for themselves and there's a group of people that um, come together and then they that if you want you want their help, they could come and we could all pro- we could protest a little, have a little mini protest, and then, and it, it it looked like it showed them that it was um a little painful for them, and then but we looked like we ended up taking the victory that day, you know, and we ended up completing. So what
7: them. what was it like for you, Miguel? Because I know you were really active in that. Like, what was it like organizing with your coworkers, um, and, and kind of speaking up to the boss? But what what was that like for you?
8: Um, for me, I really enjoyed it because it just made me, it made me, it it makes like me feel happy that he, hopefully he has an understanding that, you know, it's not only about him, it's about workers that are actually keeping him, you know, stable and, you know, having a a restaurant going still, even though the pandemic had like taken restaurants down, you know, like, like they even closed some restaurants down that they couldn't afford to pay the rent, you know, but the good things that we had had delivery workers, you know, to, uh, to keep it going you know keep it up and standing still
7: yeah well that, that's good to hear i mean so what, if you were you know if you were, were talking to other delivery workers and they, they weren't getting paid right what what would you tell them like how what would you tell them for like advice about how to how to speak up how to organize with your coworkers?
8: yeah um just always um try to talk, um, try to talk to somebody, like, a delivery worker, like, around, it don't matter, you don't know him, it's just, like, maybe, a uh, same, same, same language, English, They like, well, how's everything, you get money robbed or anything, and then just come as a group, and I say, uh, talk to, um, this organization, and, um, by, uh, Myrtle Wyckoff, I really enjoy, it. I have the shirt on right now, it's called Make the Road, <laughs> uh, so, and it's, but, but, you know, did
7: you, oh, you know what, actually, let me, um, Let me just ask you real quick though, because I I know that it's hard to, to connect with your coworkers sometimes about, about those issues and make sure you're all on the same page. So how did you, how did you do that? You know, I think that's something that when I think about my workplaces, it's hard to think about, you know, trying to come together as a group because, you know, as an individual, you're really never going to win those battles with your bosses. But as a group, how, how do you, how do you like talk to your coworkers about all that?
8: Um, so sometimes like at, like not at work, we, we, we get like together and we talk about it, like between like groups and then we tell each other, Oh, let's, let's meet up for like five minutes or 10 minutes after work. And if we could talk about a little bit about this and how we're going to do it and how we're going to try to stop like the boss from like taking money away from us or from like, um, from like, um, like other, like not paying wages and stuff, you know, or like, um, yeah, like try to get along and together. And, yeah, what happened is a coworker snitches. Um, if a coworker snitches, I think um, it really, we just really know the persons. Like, if, if we, like, look at them, um, we tell them, oh, like, how, um, we like, oh, um, are you really willing to, to be with us and with the group? Or if not, like, like then you do your own route. And then I guess he's going to snitch. And then we're just going to try to keep as much, um much, like, low, you know, keep it low. Yeah.
7: Uh huh. Well, thanks, Miguel. Um, well, listeners, you're listening to Working Class Heroes Radio on WBAI 99.5 FM, also streaming on WBAI.org. We're here right now speaking to Miguel, delivery worker in Brooklyn, who's been sharing his experiences about working through the pandemic. But Miguel, I wanted to kind of ask you about something else, kind of tied to what Lupita and, and Julian were talking about earlier about um, street vendors, because I know that, you know, street vendors have been criminalized, um, harassed by police and, and not really supported, um, you know, for, for doing their work, especially now during the pandemic. And, you know, I know there's a lot of similarities between the kind of things that they've experienced and with, you know, what you delivery workers experienced with, um, with police harassment about your, your, your e-bikes. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of people don't know that for, for a long time e-bikes were required for, for the job um and workers had to had to pay for them pay for their maintenance and stuff like that but then police could stop you like at any time for using those e-bikes um and give you tickets and even take them away so wh- what's that been like for you i know i know that yeah, you've gotten some tickets um over the years What what's that been like for you with with your e-bike
8: yeah um like with my e-bike i have yeah received a couple of tickets and um And yeah, I think because of this, they, they charge because of uh, no insurance, um, no license plates. um, And it's just like, uh, it's just like, because they stop you for like the things like small things like that. And um, sometimes like when you're just on your phone, like you just like you parked, but then you put your phone in your pocket. Like they, they really like wait for you and they kind of like want to stop. Like they try to like stay at one time I was like doing deliveries and there's a police always in one corner, but he's hiding and then. And then this other, like, this other police, like, hiding and stuff. And then when I see one time um another delivery guy that he passed the red light and he, the, the cop just came out, like, really fast. And then he came out of the car, like, very aggressive. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I know that that wasn't me. Like, good thing I didn't, like, cross the red light. And I want to, like, because I feel like they do put a lot of pressure into you, like, when you cross the red light, even though with an e-bike. And then, I don't know, I just don't understand. Like, it kind of does, like, it's um it's true you have to, obviously, respect the, the the traffic and everything you know um but for me i think the e-bikes i think they they're legal now and um they're they're legal um and uh i think i need to yeah um i think yeah. everybody should just respect um the lights and and just like try to keep it calm with the police because the police um they do not they're not really some of them are friendly some of them are not most of them are not they give me tickets and
7: yeah got you well you know, another thing coming off that, Miguel, is that I know that, you know, your job is actually like quite a dangerous, dangerous job. Because I think a lot of people, at least in the past, have made a really big fuss about delivery workers um, just kind of like rampaging around the streets, driving really recklessly and stuff like that. But for you, it's actually like a really dangerous job. Um, you know, recently we heard about a delivery worker, Nesto Guzman, um, in Manhattan, who got killed by a car. Um, while working and uh, you know just this week another worker at Fredo Lisonia in Queens got killed by a truck also while working um, and you know folks are trying to organize around that because at least for, for Ernesto uh, you know the cops really haven't done what they need to do to figure out who did it and to kind of get some justice for the family. Um, and for yeah. Fredo it's like another thing where you know the the bike lanes around New York aren't really set up for for delivery work, and we all depend on on delivery, but the infrastructure isn't there. So it's actually like a really, a really dangerous job. Um, what do you think about that? Have you have you been injured on the job before?
8: Um, yeah, I have actually one time. Um, I've been I've been in a car accident where it was not my fault, and um, there was a car. I guess I guess. He, the ambulance they wanted to take me but I didn't go because I didn't have really um severe injuries um and uh I you say I was there delivering food as well I had a food order and I think it, it uh it messed up it the food was a mess I think because like it fell on the floor and then it just was like, messed up and then yeah I called the restaurant and then um the, the manager was like oh um he's like oh is the food okay and I was like I'm like in my head I'm like wow like he really thought wow. about the food and instead of me you know like I'm like I'm the one that got hurt you know and then my bike yeah. if my bike is okay he just thought about the food that could be made you know like in five minutes again you know like it's like I don't know it's yeah. Yeah, it's a very dangerous you know
7: well were you that's were a very you okay? dangerous
8: job yeah I am I was okay yeah I just had like I had to, to stay home for the day and I was great yeah man
7: okay so what do you think yeah, the city what do you think the city can do I mean what, what should people do about the fact that it's, it's dangerous It's dangerous work because you all are going to keep keep making these deliveries and um, you know I, I think a lot of people complain about delivery workers but it's dangerous for you too you, you don't want to get injured either um, what, what would you tell the city I mean what, what, what do you think should happen to make your job a little bit safer
8: um well I was hearing uh, some articles about um us delivery guys wanting um have like our own lanes, like bike lanes, and like our own section for us, you know, to be doing deliveries while we're um we're working, and it feels a little more safe because when it snows, sometimes you know like the the cars are like very strong, you know, and us like sometimes we're like stuck in the in the snow sometimes, and we're trying to like find our way and. Um,
7: Oh my God, I think you're, you're
8: cutting out a little bit. Yeah, uh, I'm saying, yeah, yeah. He got, uh, yeah, I like um lanes, you know, like bike lanes or, or like, you know, for delivery oh, guys, yeah. you know?
7: Yeah, that sounds, that sounds like, I mean, because especially in Manhattan, I don't know how, you know, I don't know how often you go into Manhattan, but it's this crazy out there biking. And I know that, you know, around Brooklyn, there's there aren't any like protected bike lanes. That's just your own section yeah um, and it, you know
8: the yeah the, the, and especially yeah. in the snow because it's more traffic and you know
7: oh, okay so you know one one question I was thinking is like you know I know when, when, when workers get injured you know they're supposed to be able to access workers comp but I know that that's not really what what goes down um, and and sometimes the employers don't even help you out with the medical bills. is that has that happened to you What what happens with
8: delivery workers
7: when you all get injured
8: The delivery workers.
7: Yeah, I mean, like when you get injured, who who pays for the bills if you got to go to the doctor?
8: Oh, um, really? Um, the usually when I, I get hurt if I go to like the hospital, I usually like um they don't they don't tell me anything. They just like if it's a normal day, I don't get my medical bills paid. Um, the the city doesn't offer it. They send me a mail instead of for the medical the medical bills that had we had been um you know treated. Um, and we just like, uh, yeah, um, yeah, we don't, we don't get our medical bills play most of the time. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um,
7: well, thanks, Miguel. You know, I think that, um, we're going to try to take a quick music break right now. Um, and then do you mind sticking around so we can have some, some callers? Is that
8: cool with you? Yeah, of course. Of course.
7: Great. Um, well, listeners, if you want to give us a ring at 212-209-2877. Um, To give us a call, ask ask Miguel any questions about delivery work. Um, Again, that number is 212-209-2877. Stick
8: around.
5: So, so through the grim reaper, sickle sharpening, Macintosh marketing, all you feel augurin', Brazilian adolescent disarmament, Israeli occupation, Islamic modern, precise, yeah. Laser guided, targeting, all you for full bothering, terrorist organization harboring, saying camouflage army men, CCF sponsoring, world conquering, telephone monitoring, Louis Vuitton modeling, pornographic actress honoring, string theory pondering, bulimic vomiting, Catholic. Priest fondling, preemptive vomiting, and Osama and Obama and them. They breaking in my car again. Deforestation and overlocking, and Hennessy and hypnotic swallowing, hydroponic coughing And all the world's ills sitting on chrome 24 inch wheels like that. They say I'm infected. This is why I inject it. I had it aborted. We got deported. My time got spot where that I can't lie here, but I got no place to go. I can't stop eating. My best friend's leaving. My pastor touched me. I love this country. I lost my earpiece. I hope y'all hear me. Cause it hurts me so.
7: Oh, it hurts me so. That was Hurt Me So by Luca Fiasco. You're listening to your Working Class Heroes Radio on WBAI 99.5. Also streaming on WBAI.org. Uh, now we're going back to Miguel. Um, I think we don't have any callers yet, so Miguel, maybe we we can just keep talking for a little bit until uh, until we do. Is that is that good with you? Yep. Perfect. Um, well, you know, I think another, one of the things I was really uh, wanted to know a little bit more about about your work is is about this the safety thing about just how how dangerous it is because I you know I think you you work for tips right like that's that's how you bring in most of the money that you make. Is that right? Correct. Correct. So. So the the more deliveries you make, the more money. I mean, the the more tips you're gonna
8: get, right? Yeah, the no more, yeah.
7: So right. uh, so I, you know, one of the things I, I always think is like, well, that just means that you're gonna want to go as fast as possible on the streets um, to try to get more tips, right? How, what's that logic for you look like?
8: Um, yeah, yeah. Most of the times, yeah, like it's about as competitive because whoever gets like the most deliveries or who don't, like try to do more deliveries, you get a little more money, and you know competitive yeah competitive pay you have to yeah. be on the bike on a little try to try to try to be safe and fast you know
7: yeah that seems like a really big a really big tension you know it's kind of like the system is set up to make you to make you do things that are maybe more dangerous or more a little bit more dangerous than you would want to do if you if you knew you, you know if you knew you were just making more money and you didn't have to like stress the whole time like hey i gotta make more, deliveries, gotta make more then you could slow down, and it'd be safer yeah. for you. You probably wouldn't, you know, get into as many
8: injuries. Correct. Yeah, agree with you. Yeah. Well,
7: Miguel, you know, one thing I, I think a lot of people um, want to know about is is about gig work. You know, it's about these apps like um, like Uber Eats um, and Postmates and stuff like that. Because a lot of people make orders through through those apps. Um, but you you work for for directly for a restaurant, right? You don't work for one of those apps,
8: is that right? No, I don't. I don't work for. Yes.
7: So so why, in the How restaurant. come? So how come? Like, why have you thought about trying to get on those apps? What, what do you think about them?
8: Yeah, um, I have a brother that's actually um, on an app, um, Grubhub. But I I really think that it's good. But um, yeah, it's it's really good. It's really good. I actually. I hear really good um, really good things about it, and I feel like creating my account soon as well.
0: Gotcha,
7: Miguel. Well, you know what? We actually have a, a, a caller on the line. Is that right, GL?
0: Yeah, that is correct. We do have a caller, and I just
7: patched him through. So whenever you're ready, caller, please tell us your name, where you're calling from.
9: Uh, my name is June. I'm calling from uh, Brooklyn. Uh, let me ask you something. Uh, the food, the people that vend food on the streets, you think it's safe? Don't they have to have some type of product liability insurance so that you know that uh, the foods that you're getting is safe? And also, if they've then on the streets, are they being inspected by the health department to make sure that what they're getting is safe to be eaten? Got you. Thanks, Carla. Uh, well, you know, I
7: think that um, I, I'm not sure if Miguel has any thoughts on that because um, you know, he's, he he's not a street vendor, um, he's a delivery worker. But um, Miguel, if you do have some thoughts about, about that, but um, I know that the city has issued some reports, um, you know, indicating that, that street vending is, is perfectly safe and that the food you get there is it's safe. Um, but you know, beyond that, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Uh, but thank you Caller for, for that question. Um, again, if anyone has any call, any questions for Miguel, um, feel free to to call in. Um, so Miguel, I you know I want to ask you. Um, Hold
8: on, Mel. Tell what... him the number again. My bad, bro. What's the number?
7: Oh sure, um, the number is 212-209-2877. Thanks, Gio. So Miguel, I wanted to ask you um, about about work right now during coronavirus because I know you know when restaurants opened up again. Um, now they're starting to close down the, the the indoor spaces again. Is your work changing? What's what's going on with your work, or has it kind of been consistent this whole time?
8: Um, yeah, my work. I think it's been mostly the deliveries. Um, right now, since like uh, they'll be able, people are able to eat inside. There's starting to be a little more people starting to come inside, and there's a maxi glass protecting. Um, one table from another table. So like it's being protected and being uh six feet away part. It's yeah, I've um, been maintaining kinda of pretty uh stable because they look like they take care and they're um they are um uh how you say it they are respecting the rules that the city has, you know.
7: Gotcha, okay. And then what about for you doing delivery work?
8: Uh yeah, doing delivery, um yeah. Just be cautious mask always on um and yeah Mostly just mask on and gloves kind of, we have to, we have to do this. Yeah. Gotcha. We got to do the liberty.
7: Well, Miguel, you know, one, for me personally, I wanted to ask you about a little bit more about like your, your, you know, how you make money and, and your wages. Um, Cause it, you know, I, I feel like if you're, if you're working for tips, that, that probably means that you, you don't really know how much you're going to be getting uh, every week. Correct. So so how do you how do you deal with that? You know, I know you're you're young, I don't know what your living situation is, but that's gotta be difficult to not be able to know exactly what you're gonna make. How, how do you deal with
8: that? Um sometimes uh, you just gotta um, try to work as hard as possible, try to make as much money as we can because sometimes we don't know, like we got an emergency, you know, we don't know like if another family member like might need help or like you, know, you just try to try to make as much money as we can or to like make them as much tips as we can. Um, and, yeah, try to just try to work and try it, you know.
7: Got it. Well, thanks, Miguel. So it sounds like we got another another caller on the line. Um, Gio, if you want to put him in.
8: Yes, sir. Hey, caller, you are currently on the air. Please tell us your name and where you are calling from.
9: Hi, my name is Helen, and I'm calling from Washington Heights. Hey,
7: Helen, how you doing? Um, what's your question?
9: Yeah, so I have uh, two questions, actually. I hope that's okay. Sure. Um, Yeah, so the first question is, I guess I was just wondering, like, what is, especially with, like, the conditions right now in terms of, like, COVID um, and just the economic uh, challenges, um, like, what is the, like, amount of tip that, like, you'd recommend that we all provide as, like, people who, um, order food and stuff during this moment, um, so that's my first question. Um, should I ask my second question, too, now? Sure, go for it, yeah, we've been
7: them together.
9: Great, okay, and then my second question is, because of all the conditions, um, like, COVID, um, the fact that rent hasn't been canceled, and all these, like, um, just, um, accidents, or, like, not accidents, but, like, um, deaths um, that have kind of continued with impunity um, of uh, delivery workers. Um, I guess my question is, like, what is, to Miguel, is like, what is, what is the possibility of, like, a strike or, like, what are, like, the conditions um, that would lead to, like, a a type of strike Um, in, in this time? How, like, how realistic is that?
7: Yeah, in his, in his opinion. Well, thanks, yeah. Alan. appreciate appreciate those questions. So, Miguel, I don't know if you heard. I think the first question, you know, is about, you know, what what do you think is a good tip? Uh, what do you think you deserve? Um, and the second question is really about, um, you know, how can wo- delivery workers, you know, not just in your in your workforce in your in your restaurant, but across the whole city, what do you think about like y'all you know, getting together? And what, what would that look like for you? Do you think it's possible to to strike if you need to?
8: Yes, that sounds amazing. Like, like all the delivery workers, um, seeing like, uh, meet up in Manhattan or where, um, protests are known to be taken. Um, it sounds like a good plan that we should think of doing. And, um, also delivery workers and, uh, tell the government all the uh, things that we want and for us, you know, to be safe and be continuing delivery work, delivery, delivering food. I think that sounds amazing it sounds like a good plan that we should all do and get a, get, a, get all united and we'll be really strong we'll, we'll, we'll really nice with all yeah. our delivery equipment all the helmets everything gear up deliveries you know and have a group of union that yeah will stand up and go viral because we want we want uh to show us that we that we needed to be taken care of too and that we like we we love delivering food as well. You know, we love our jobs.
7: Got you. Well, thanks for that. What do you think about that first question about, you know, what, what do you think is a good tip?
8: Um, for me, uh, I really just deliver the food. Um, to be honest, at the end of my shift, I look at what what I make and I just, I just, it's okay. I, I, I accept anything, you know, like I love like people and, and like just giving me $2 but Sometimes you know, like you go a little far, and I like you know you go a little too far, and then it's yeah it's cold, the weather's you know, and sometimes you just the people need to know like how like how they are you know um, yeah. five bucks I think like, yeah I think that's okay yeah. I like you know it. I
7: guess i i feel you because I think a lot of people don't know just you know you all are out here in the rain and the snow the whole winter um it, it's tough working they you know
8: yeah it depends on the weather or how far i mean like it doesn't really i don't really have like any tips like i guess like people are different every people is different and you just never know you just expect anything i, I expect anything yeah. you. it's fine if nobody even gives me a tip sometimes they don't give tip or well, they put like tip in cash and then they just say oh thank you so much have a good night i'm like oh yeah you know i don't i'm not the type of guy to say oh um, you know like, can I get a tip or something? I just say, okay, you know, have a good night, have a good night, you know? And I just go my way, you know, continue delivering food.
7: Well, well thanks, Miguel. Well, I I, I just want to say we are working past zero support. Tipping. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I know how you feel, Miguel. Uh, that's really good to you, though. Um, Gio, do you think we have time for one more? Yeah, we can do one more. Why not? Okay, sure. Okay, caller, you're going to be the last caller for tonight. Please tell us your name and where you are calling from. Uh,
6: yes, uh, my name is Ricky I'm calling from, of all places, Brighton Beach, Brooklyn. I've been on the political scene. I'm an old-timer since 1948. And in all the years that I was growing up and working uh, with common jobs, I also was a delivery boy for grocery stores. I worked in car wash. I worked in offset printing plants. And in all the years I was growing up, the common workers were known as working stiffs. That's how the capitalists labeled the common workers like myself. We were the working stiffs. All of a sudden now, with the coronavirus, the working, common working people now become the heroes. And if they are the heroes... Why are the police harassing them and giving them a hard time? Uh, I am also a candidate for for mayor. We'll see what happens. And if I'm mayor, uh, paradise for the workers. And also if I'm mayor, absolute world metal monster cars and trucks. The metal monster cars and trucks are the worst thing. They are total, total death. They pollute the air. They kill the people. (laughs) etc etc And that's your capitalism for you. From the working stiffs now the people become the unsung heroes. Uh vive El Pueblo. Siempre, siempre, vive El Pueblo. Es. Hey, well, thanks so much for your comment.
7: Um, thank, thanks so much for your for your comment. Um Miguel, I don't know if you if you have any comments about that. You know, one thing I think uh um, the caller really did bring up is how, you know I think the media has painted uh, delivery workers. I think as you know, as essential workers, as heroes. But I know that at the same time, a lot of y'all didn't get any stimulus funding, didn't get any um, additional benefits, uh, and you're still getting harassed by the police despite it all. How, what's that been like for you?
8: Um, yeah, I know. I know a lot of delivery workers. Most of the delivery workers that are with me, they haven't received any stimulus check. Um, and it's it's little like sad you know to not like because they have to like be working for their stuff and stuff like that and you know they go yeah most of the stuff yeah like it's uh it's kind of tough you know but yeah most of them have to keep on working you know they can't they don't they don't have the stimulus check and I guess the police continue to harass you know um I think uh I don't know but good thing the police kind of stopped a little they stopped a little because of the coronavirus but before it was um a lot of tickets I remember it was back to back every time
7: well, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that it's getting better with the police harassment. I know you all did a lot of organizing to to make sure they they would stop doing. It. Um, well, Miguel, thanks so much for joining us tonight. I hope I hope listeners got to learn a lot more about your your work, um, delivery work across the city. Um, so you know, I think we're out of time for today. But I just want to give a little shout out to to the rest of the team: Khadijah, Danny, Heather, Julian, and Engineer Geo for making the show happen. Um, if you've enjoyed tonight or any of our shows in the past, We ask you to support this community station by making a small one-time donation or becoming a monthly donor at WBAI.org. We really need community radio stations such as this one to bring you working class stories. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. Good night. solidarity.
8: border, now he found himself standing on the corner, labored all day, barely getting paid, and when they ripped him off, yo, he really couldn't complain,
5: popping pills just to ease the crazy back pain, stressing because he heard about them immigration rates,
8: all he wanted to do was send money back home, instead he became America's scapegoat, and he seen what happens to the injured, insured is an unfamiliar term, so absurd, what happens when he has kids, off to school, Riches like Lil' Annie did, or in the block down, separated like my is. And when they give them prison contracts, you the
6: lowest bit.